0: welcome to women waken a podcast that helps you heal spiritually from trauma in relationships childhood and early life conditioning to shift from a place of codependency into a state of divine feminine love acceptance harmony and abundance on women waken we begin the journey to waken from the illusion of needing to prove our worth into the divine experience of knowing our worth. I'm your host, Whitney Walker. I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I specialize in substance abuse, addiction, eating disorders, trauma, and spirituality. I'm also a fellow human being who has faced most of the issues I discuss on this show. On today's guest episode, I welcome the wonderful Patricia Crisofulli. Patricia is an author and she is a creative writer. So today we have the brilliant experience of exploring the creative spirit, the creative process, the beautiful birthing of a sacred, intuitive idea, concept, exciting thing that we feel deep within us that wants to come through us. Any act of channeling is a creation any creative act whether it be art or writing or performance or any sort of creation is a sacred act and is a gift from you to the world and is meant to be inspired and meant to be produced uniquely through each of us in its own way so we really need to encourage that and patricia gives us that idea and offers some suggestions on how to really cultivate that practice of creative writing. So take a listen and enjoy. Hi Patricia, welcome to the Women Awaken podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for our conversation. I'm excited as well, Patricia. Patricia, you are an author and you are a creative writer and you are the yes. first creative writer I've had on this show. And we had a fun little intro call where you weren't quite sure if this was the right space for you, yet I was so excited because not having a creative writer, I haven't had a lot of guests who were able to speak about bringing forth their creative gifts. Of course, everything is a creative gift, whether it's more about your healing or about you know any sort of spiritual modality or offering, yet when people share creative stories, when they make movies, when they write songs, anything artistic, when they paint, that's all an artistic, creative gift. It's all something within us that's wanting to come out
1: and be birthed into the world. Come out of us. And I would add to that, come through us. Many of us writers feel like our stories exist kind of out there and they come through. So all those prepositions work with us, in us, around us, through us. And that's, I think, as valid if you are arranging flowers or making meatloaf, or in my case, tofu loaf, (laughs) or you are um, painting or you're trying or you say, oh, I just dabble. Whatever it is, when we are in touch with creativity, we are in touch with source and we are in touch with something that I think makes us uniquely human and also spiritual beings having a human experience. Yes,
0: absolutely. And so Patricia, why don't you share with us about your journey to becoming a creative author, what that means for you, how you kind of tapped into and allowed for your gifts, because I'm wondering if there was ever a time where you questioned it, if you doubted it, if you weren't sure what it was kind of stirring in there. So I'd love to hear that. from Uh, you.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I started writing from a very young age. I mean, I remember being seven and picking up a pencil and wanting to write down all these little stories that you know percolated in my head. Um, and after writing four sentences and thinking that was going to be my epic tale, and discovering, hmm, maybe there's something more to this. <laughs> uh, but but stories always pulled me. I I was a, an avid reader. I loved listening to stories my mother or my aunts would tell. I Stories transported me, um, both capturing my imagination, but also I realize now, not a word I would have had as a young child, but they really pulled at my empathy. Like I could feel, I could be in the place of... The character or the person in the story, whether it was in a book or was a tale being told, I could feel those feelings. And I think when I look back on those times, I recognize that that was a gift, the feeling, the idea of the story was the gift before the technical you know craft of well how do you do flashback versus you know um you know summary and how you handle multiple points of view that's technical craft the idea that story can come alive in our imaginations and other people need to hear these. That was an awakening that happened early on. And I had a fight to stay true to it. And the reason there was a fight is, The world, because the world, and I'm an inherently practical person as well, says, you know, you kind of got to pay the light bill in your mortgage or your rent, you know, like you got to have a day job. And I have one of those, and I actually love mine. I'm a consultant, I have my own business, and it's great, but I am not a one dimensional person. Uh, None of us are. None of us are. We're never defined by just one thing. And so I had to make sure. I made the time and kept the energy, and I mean that literally, not just stamina, but creative energy, to make sure I was staying true to my storytelling. Let's call it storytelling for now. You know, I've written a lot of different things. Most recently, I've become a mystery novelist with my second novel out, The Secrets of Stillwater's Chasm. And this idea of uh, whether you call it channeling or you're allowing it to flow, it means we have to take the time for it. So my biggest, I would say, impediment was me, was giving myself permission because I needed to have other responsibilities, and we all have them, that weighed in on me and fought for my attention. And I had to make it okay for me to say yes To creativity and to honor that is as important as any other endeavor in my life. Absolutely, because it's your expressive endeavor. It's allowing for that time
0: for joy and whatever you might call that, as you said, impetus that wants to come through you, that we don't often give enough credit to or enough time to, right? We're so busy, as you said, trying to pay our bills and do what we're supposed to do that when we have what we could call intuition and intuitive nudge and intuitive urge and intuitive yearning to create and produce something, we might say that's silly. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for this this thing that I might love and be so passionate about and could spend all my time doing it. But what is it practical? That's what we might ask ourselves. I think especially those who have dreams of writing specifically.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, whether it's that inner critic or our unconscious, there's part of ourselves that doesn't want to has to take this step. Because when you do, you take a risk. You take a risk that somebody's gonna go, mm, maybe not so much, or nice idea, but you didn't execute. And trust me, to write is to be rejected. <laughs> it's it's part of a writer's path. You know, as you pursue publication, and so there's part of us that wants to protect us from that risk. That goes, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, stop, don't do that. But there's a bigger risk in not giving those thoughts ex um, expression. Think about being expressed. We send it out. We right. It's about going out into the world, and now that might be showing three friends. It might be on a personal blog. It might be submission to a publication. However it goes out, we understand that we're stewards of these stories. Even if it's your own memoir or autobiography, it is coming through you. It is a truth. Even if it's completely made up, it contains truth about the human experience. It doesn't just belong to us. We are stewards of that story for as long as we are um, gathering it in, capturing it and expressing it. And it's kind of our responsibility as good stewards to say, I owe it to this story to see it through. That kind of thinking freed me to own my creativity, to make it prime time, regardless of how the balance sheet looked on it, because the payment is in the fact that someone says, I was so entertained or it really made me think, or I saw myself in this and, or, whoa, that one line really got me. Then we know that there we are building connection in stories that is priceless. Absolutely.
0: And that's such an important message to put out there because I think we are a culture that's steeped in insecurity and self-doubt. We question whether we are worthy and whether we have enough, value to put ourselves out there. And that's a big focus of my show. The concept of Women Waken is really this idea that women have spent so long feeling that we don't have a place in this world, that we don't really matter, that we're not as capable or as important or intelligent or whatever it is. And so we hold back and we have this tendency to think less of ourselves rather than the most of ourselves. That Who are we not to have a voice, right? Who are we not? Just as you said, because, and I think that's something that can really, that really helps us when we're at that, that point, that juncture where we say, I have this thing and I really want to take a chance, whether it's a music career or a writing career or doing a podcast, because I faced that too. And I said, who am I to have a podcast? Everybody has a podcast. I don't need to put my voice out there yet. Somebody told me once they're like, well, there might be a lot of podcasts out there, but there's not your podcast not until you do it. And I thought, okay, that's uh, all right. I'll, I'll give it a shot then because what do I have to lose? Nobody listens. All right, then at least I tried. And, and you do start to get this sense as I'm starting to feel now, as my sweet little podcast is taking on a life of its own. It's growing, it's growing. It's its own little beautiful plant. And we are stewards and, and that helps us also release any ego attached to it, right? It's not whether we're good enough or not. It's not whether we're smart enough or interesting enough. It's about we're channeling something that's meant to come through. And it's going to land on certain people's ears that really need to hear it.
1: And that's what matters. Absolutely. And and the venue or the form almost doesn't matter. It's the creative energy that it carries, you know, we think about and what are we doing now? We're telling stories. You know, so much of creativity is story. You know, I was, you know, whether you listen to a a wonderful, you know, I'm a big Mary Chapin Carpenter fan, you know, she some of her older work, you know, this amazing music, and she was a, she's us being a storyteller in it. If we look at, you know, sacred writing, it's a story of a of how you know we came from X. Uh, consciousness to why consciousness. If we look at any any tradition, these are the stories that help us figure out who are we? Where do we come from? What does it mean to belong? Do we belong? If we're on the outside, what does that mean? What are we fighting? Like all these big questions. And I would even say, even in a mystery story, which is my genre, all those questions exist because they're universal truths and we're constantly becoming and we express that in story whatever form that might be podcast song painting novel it's all about my segment of a journey that we're going to walk together for a little while or a longer while and we learn from each other what it means to be human
0: Yes. Yes, and you can find that story of that journey everywhere just as you're saying. In any sort of outlet, any sort of avenue they can it can all be found. And it's interesting Patricia because I um you know like I said I've never had a creative writer on the show and I haven't really thought about it. And then just this past weekend I'm living a nomadic life and I'm traveling and I was I'm in Nova Scotia right now mm-hmm. and I was on Prince Edward Island last weekend and I had no idea that that's where the author wrote Anne of Green Gables. Talk about beautiful creative fiction, an icon, right? I mean, one of the originals that meant so much to so many people. And just as you said, it was originally just a simple story of a girl who basically was speaking closely to her own upbringing and her own experiences. But through that, those words, she offered comfort and hope and this beautiful nourishment to so many souls and I was generations
1: of generations. And I was
0: so taken aback because I I hadn't ever given it much thought. I remember those stories hearing that, of course, and of Green Gables. I think they turned it into a show. And do Mm -hmm. you know the name of the the author off the top of my head? I'm not sure. I believe it's, it starts with an L Lawrence or something along those lines. Yeah. If you could, (laughs) you want to look it up. And it was just, and what I also was really touched by. Lucy Maud Montgomery. There you go. It's Montgomery. L. Good. Montgomery. L. M. Montgomery, and she, you know, Montgomery, she, and good. her writing spanned the era of you know the late eighteen hundreds through the wars, the first and second World War. I think it was short after the second World War that she passed. But these books were coming out and offering people this comfort and joy in a time of great upheaval, of great challenge, and that's another reason why. You know, people might say, "Oh, who can? Why write a book right now? Why do this right now?" Well, because people are yearning for something that keeps them going, that brings them hope, that brings them comfort, that brings them some peace, or even just a, a smile. <laughs> Sometimes
1: that's all we need. And and why not write it? Right? I mean, you. I mean, I. You know, you think of. I mean, I'm not a historian, and and but we think about. You know the cave paintings of Let's Go that go back like what forty thousand years. Humans express something. We had an experience and we're figuring it out. We want to tell someone. So handprints go on a cave, or cuneiform writing goes on a papyrus scroll, or my fingers go on a keyboard. We are we are attuned to that. We have a need, and I don't think it's ego driven oh yeah, it's slick and cool to hold up my novel and say, I did this, I did this, hopefully in the privacy of my own little corner of the world. But it's not even about that. It's because all of it together reminds us that we share stories and anything that creates commonality, anything that even in, even if it ruffles our feathers and makes us uncomfortable. Cormac McCarthy's um, dystopian, The Road, it's, it's, it's it's haunting and deeply disturbing, but boy, it sure gets you thinking. These stories matter, and so do the stories that we might share big or little. There's no hierarchy. There's no judgment. They're waiting, and I truly believe they exist in our collective consciousness and in our unconscious, and when we are willing to listen and let our imagination engage imagination and intuition and openness combine to suddenly a little seed plants and talked about your podcast being a seedling. Same thing happens with the story and the story, you know, settles in and it's not going to go. When my characters haven't been visited, you know, uh, recently, you know, they kind of, they kind of nudge me and I start to dream about them. They exist somewhat apart from me. Right.
0: Well, they're in the ethereal space, whatever you want to call it, the ethers. As we were kind of joking about, we were trying to get on (laughs) to the same Zoom and we were in different ether zones (laughs) on separate (laughs) spaces. But that's where these stories live. They exist in the the ethers. They're, They're waiting to be pulled forth. And I've actually heard, I don't know if you've ever heard this, Patricia, but I remember talking to somebody. So I've heard this concept before that, Any creative thing, anything that's brought into physical existence already exists. And it's just kind of out there waiting for somebody to grab it. And I've even heard that people have almost written the same exact book at separate times and somebody published it first. And the other person said, hey, that was my book. And they said, I don't know what to tell you. I've never met you we've never talked that you can channel different ideas. But then what does it come down to the person who decides to go for it? who doesn't hesitate, who says, I'm surfing this wave. I feel it coming through and I'm going to let it come through me and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write, which to your point, there is a great achievement in writing a book. Even even if it's not about ego, it's you were able to channel it and give birth to it and bring it forth. And not everybody will do
1: that. Right. And some of that would be, you know, they may not have the the courage or um, the self-esteem to go for it. In which case, if you're looking for a sign, here it is, go do it. It's wonderful, right? Or it might be that, Somebody says, well, you know, I thought I wanted to do this, but I'm actually more interested in in poetry. Like sometimes we start down one creative path and it curves for us, but it's the openness and the permission. You know, I can't tell you um, just, you know, in, in decades of doing this, how important it is to claim this for yourself. Uh, that, that, you know, yes, you're, you know, we all have loved ones around us who are like, yeah, you, we believe in you, but it's about that self-belief and it's about talking about that to ourselves. You know, I, I do this thing as a writer and I'm also a runner, which is great. It gets me in that kind of like altered space. And I was thinking about my earliest dreams as a writer and I had a picture in my mind of me, At about 12 all you know elbows and knees and kind of awkward and weird hair and funny glasses and i could see myself so clearly in this funny little one piece romper i i had as a 12 year old green and white stripes going up and down okay it was the 70s it was not a good look for anyone all right but i remember this this so it's like a photograph in my head but i remember the scene of sitting there and dreaming about my future life. And I wanted to write and I wanted to be, you know, oh, however, you know, the the the, the clouds that were being uh 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 wool-gathered, you know, around this story. But what was so important was that 12-year-old believed enough to make it possible for me. So when I was having this memory it felt like a little bit of mental time travel and I pictured myself standing in front of her saying thank you 12 year old me because you believed enough that it took me long enough to get here but I got here and I am a best-selling author and I am an award-winning fiction writer and I do have two novels out because of that brave 12 year old who could spend time on a summer day daydreaming about What future life could look like? And we all have that in us. It's a wonderful exercise to kind of go back. What did your 12-year-old self want you to do? And how far or close are you to that dream? Or where do you see little tiny intersections? Maybe you didn't become the ballerina, right? But maybe you love, you know, certain kinds of movement. Or like, where are those themes that honor that 12-year-old. And if there are some unseen, unrealized dreams, maybe it's time to go see how you can make your 12-year-old self happy. Because we exist, all those selves exist in us and around us. My 12-year-old is still pulling for me. Absolutely.
0: I mean, that's essentially the more positive, upbeat version of what i would call inner child work. What is a focus of mine as as a therapist, you know, it's so when we talk about inner child work, we're more so talking about the part of our child that's sort of hung up in sadness, that's kind of stuck in certain emotional experiences. But then there's also this joyful child inside of all of us that's still 10 years old and gets excited for Halloween. (laughs) There's still that part of us that wants to go bake on a rainy day and just feel warm and cozy. But we dismiss that as we get older. And I think a lot of that is is really shutting down our creative spark because we're not allowing ourselves to do what we're most excited about. Because again, it comes back to practicality. Well, that's not practical to take time out of my day to sit down and start writing a creative novel. That's crazy. But is it really that crazy? If it's something that you've always thought about and that brings you joy and is fun and you can carve out a little bit of time for it every day and give that to your inner child, allow yourself that joy. That's just a beautiful thing.
1: Yes, because the inner child, who mine was very wounded. She was lonely and bullied and did not have a great time being 12. But in this moment of safety within her own mind, I say her because it's me, um, was able to create this. So when I honor that 12-year-old now, I mean, you would know better than I. I feel like I'm kind of putting my arms around her saying, I see you. Nobody saw you then. You were, you know. But I see you and I know what you did and I know how brave you were because I couldn't be me without you. If you weren't brave enough on that summer day to claim this, I didn't have any role models who were writers. Nobody else I knew was doing this. And you do feel a little crazy when you want to grow up and be a writer. (laughs) But that's that's part of the journey as well. And I think the healing goes all the way through time. Completely, completely. And I, you know,
0: when we, when I've talked about inner child work with other guests, it's, they often do create a practice of connecting with their inner child. And I think that is often our creative space, right? When we're doing the thing that honor is what brought us joy. And again, that can be anything from somebody who's curious. I spoke about baking, but somebody who wants to open their own bakery or start you know, a side business of, of selling baked goods. That's something else too, that might be yearning to come out that just, as you said, you don't know who it might bring comfort to or joy to, or someone might write you and say, Oh my gosh, you know, I, I just, it means so much to me to come by and meet with you and get your goods every week. It could be somebody who wants to start a jewelry business, a just, there's so many things that are just this beautiful little token from our inner child. Cause just as you said, they come from the, the daydreams that we had when we were young, that that special space of really dreaming the future. And I've done a, quite a few episodes about the power of visu- visualization. And that's what you essentially were doing as your 12-year-old. You were building the, ca- the clouds, the castles in the sky of what you wanted to someday have. And now you have it. And I think it's wonderful that you connect with your inner child and say, hey, thank you for daring, for not shutting yourself down, even though you didn't really have a support system, you didn't have anybody rallying for you at 12 to write your novel and to pursue this. You just knew and you kept following that impetus of your heart and your imagination. And again, that goes for anybody, whoever is out there. If you want to start like a dog business, like a dog grooming business, dog walking business, something related to animals. I think that's something that we Disconnect with, I think, inherently, all children love animals and connecting with nature and things that are more naturally based, right? Things that are we inherently know that we're are a part of a greater system, you know? And then when we get older, we're so we become so detached from that in a lot of ways. So, a lot of us want to go back to that. I have a client who recently quit her corporate job and started gar- becoming a gardener, and that's all she wants to do, and she wants to pursue that career so when we do that we are truly honoring that dreaming child who is thinking up these things that we might have abandoned those
1: dreams and then we come back to them and the dream will wait for us it will wait for us because it's part of us it's it's in our it's it's ingrained in us and it will find i think it'll keep put not pushing at us like the little kid that tugs on your sleeve is it time to go can we go now can we go like when you're excited about going on vacation or going to the beach can we go now can we go now well you know i think that there is that dream in us that says can we do it today can we start now is it time yes even if it's just a little while pick up the pen the pencil the paper sketch it out. What might a perfect day look like? You don't have to tell anybody. If you're not ready, just tell yourself, what would that be? What would it be like to just explore having a life with a little more of this creative desire fulfilled and expressed? Patricia, another
0: important aspect that you speak to is when we do decide to pursue these dreams how did you stay connected to this more inspired create sort of the idea of like just doing it for the sake of it not for any particular outcome right not being too attached to, to the results when we do creative work we it really is important to be more in that zone right of I just want to spend two hours a day painting in my studio because I love it and whether or not it sells or I can open a gallery I have to let go of that but how once someone does decide well maybe I want to show it to people maybe I do want to try to actually publish this book. How do you handle rejection? Because as I spoke (laughs) of, it's so hard and it hits on that part of us that feels has these deep held beliefs. Most of us have a few false core beliefs, right? I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. I don't matter. I'm not worthy of success, of love, whatever it is. So sometimes we can be like a little hermit crabs that at the first sign of rejection, we go back in our cave in our shell and we never want to come out again how do you navigate it
1: (laughs) i laugh because um you know it's it's never easy uh and um it's like being on this this crazy teeter-totter of oh my gosh this is amazing oh my gosh this is junk and it's awful (laughs) this is my time. I can feel it. Everything good happens to everybody else and not me. And, you know, and sometimes that teeter-totter goes crazy. And first of all is to, I think part of it is just to say, yeah, you know what? So here's the truth about weird kind of crazy things about putting our stuff out there. It's going to feel like that. So if you feel that teeter-totter, you're not alone. You know, do a Google search of famous writers who got rejected a lot Famous artists who were told, "Are you nuts?" Monet, Monet's beautiful water lilies. If you go into the art institute in Chicago, where I used to live, and you can stand there in front of these huge canvases of this amazing impressionistic work. And guess what? Is, during his, his early part of his career, they went, "Hmm, yeah, I'm not getting this." You know, people have had to face rejection to be um, to 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 create art, and it's so. Know that, yeah, it's going to feel like that at times. But you can also take comfort that it doesn't define you. They're not talking about you. They're not talking about me. And this is a lot of self-talk. And what can I do with this? Criticism or rejection. I can get some help. I can get some coaching. I can help someone, uh, have someone help me rather process this feedback to say is this really a gift do i understand that making this up um somebody felt the pacing was off in this section or this character didn't really feel believable because that is a gift that says keep going so it's this you know there are moments when you just kind of go oh this is too hard but that creative spark will not be extinguished It'll just keep glowing. You might try to walk away from like, I'm not paying attention to you. It will get hotter and more insistent. So it's to love yourself through the rejection. Get the discerning you know, feedback that will help because boy, that helped me a lot getting this feedback. Also know that it's going to feel kind of icky and unstable and persist because from rejection... You can find reinvention by staying the course and listening to that intuitive voice that says, Yeah, this is part of it. And you're getting better every time you try. And it's right aligned with another point that you make,
0: Patricia, which is that writing is an act of faith. So oh. it takes courage. And it takes believing deeply in ourselves and the importance of our stories. And that sort of speaks to what we were talking about earlier, which is realizing that it's not just about whether we're good enough. It's about acknowledging that it's wanting to come through us for a reason. There's an importance there. And I think the biggest thing for me is that concept of believing deeply in ourselves, because just as you're speaking to, we can take any amount of rejection if we believe that we will do it. It's just, just, you said, it. it's like, okay, great. Thank you for this feedback. That's good to know. I'll take it into consideration. Do I want to utilize it? Do I want to decide that it's, I don't agree with it. Cause we can also decide that we don't agree with criticism, right? We can, cause I mean, it really is a balancing act with being a creative because some people might give you feedback and you might say, I, I don't feel that way. I think it's important to keep this character. I think it's important to keep this storyline And you might very well be right. And the other part of the whole thing is that we're not going to be for everybody that goes with life in general, but also for our creative offerings to the world. Some people are going to be like, why are you bothering or wasting your time? This is terrible. Don't do it. Especially now with the age of the internet, where you can get literally almost everyone's opinion. And some people are going to be saying terrible things. So that belief in yourself, you can get through anything. If you feel that strongly that you believe in what you're doing, you believe in your success, that
1: will get you there absolutely. And find that creative supportive space, whether it's a mentor or a writing group or a creative group or something, because um it's hard to go through alone uh, that um because there can be sometimes. I have a friend he's he's passed away. Uh, My friend Andrew, when I was expressing like all my frustration said, don't worry, I'll believe for you when you can't believe in yourself. I'll believe for you. And I remember when my my novel first came out, my first novel came out. I said to my husband, oh, do you believe this, Joe? It's here. And he goes, of course, it's here. I go, Well, what do you mean? Of course, he goes, you could see what the rest of us could see. You were so committed. We never had any doubt. I was like, oh, so we have the support system. Uh, and if somebody isn't in that support system, then we do not include them in the circle. <laughs> that has to, um, I'm not saying that they all have to applaud everything we do. They might be giving us feedback, but the people who support our journey that say, yes, you yes, absolutely. This is important to you. So it's important to me and I'm going to be there and I'll listen and I'll help you discern. And if I don't know the answer, I'll, 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 say, well, where can you find out? Because it is, we are becoming, what we create is also creating us. Or as I, I like to say this, every time I rewrote my novel, I had to rewrite me. Now, I don't mean I was the chameleon in my, in my um, personality. By rewriting, I had to rewrite my story, the story of me, to be more persistent, more resilient, more see my worthiness. Those are the aspects I had to go back and edit out some negative self-talk and negative self-belief. So every time I rewrote, I rewrote me too. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. I love
0: that. I like that phrase, what, what we create creates us, right? We think that we are, I mean, think about The analogy of having a child, right? You create this child, but your child will change your life. It'll change your, how you experience yourself, what you know about yourself as what you're capable of. You just learn so much about yourself when you bring a child into this world, but any creative expression is birthing something. And it does change you. It creates, you're created by having to create it and you're created by the result of it.
1: That's right. That's right, and it's not done. It's not one and done. Then it's like, well, now and now what? Yeah. Um, and in some cases, you know, creating the second thing, you know, because I went from one novel to two, and I hope three, um, is is uh, having to go back. I mean, there's I, I, there should be progression. One should be better. I should be getting better. But there's also this idea of giving myself permission again and going back and saying. I owe it to my characters. I love my protagonist, Gabriella, with, you know, so many flaws and faults and her own uh, array of self-doubts, which makes her great for a sleuth because she's trying to figure out how the world works. Every mystery at its core is the quest to understand the unknown, you know. What's right, what's wrong, what happened and why and how do I feel safe in my world again? That's what a kind of a mystery arc is. And so a protagonist who is also not only figuring out who done it, but where she fits into it is a metaphor for the rest of us. Right. Who done it in my life and how was I changed and where do I find agency to create my own solutions that give me the satisfaction of a resolution for my next adventure and my one after that, whether that's starting up another business or it's, you know, anything new or anything we revisit, we're going to have that same arc of the unknown, which is, again, this is why I love mysteries, because it's every great question, existential and otherwise, exists in that plot line. Yeah, that's incredible. I've never really thought of it that way that once, I mean, if you
0: create a series, do each of your books have the same, is it sort of a continuum, the same character? It's, yes. That yes, when yes, you, yes. you write a book, you're literally, you know, bringing to life this character that takes the life of its own. And, you know, I always find myself taken aback. Let's say I have a series that I get into and I just am so drawn to one character. And I have these moments where I realize somebody wrote this person. They didn't, somebody created this person I'm just so enthralled with. That's inspired me. And somebody wrote them into being, it's not like an organic person. It's somebody who wrote them. And it just makes you realize the amazing power of being a writer where you're creating a world within a world. And again, characters that mean so much to people, because just like you're saying, your character that you love so much, she's, you know, interesting and creative or whatever it is about her that you've probably come to fall in love with. And that's what I've also heard is that when people become writers, they fall in love with their characters and their stories. And it's almost a devastation when the story ends because it's, you
1: know, it's a world you've created. I miss her. I miss Gabriella. I want to know what she's up to these (laughs) days. The hardest thing was, of course, she can't be perfect. She's not. And she has tons of flaws. And she gets herself in trouble. And she also acts out. And I got so mad at her in the course of the newest novel. And I don't want to give any, any spoilers. The Secrets of Stillwater's Chasm, where her, I'll say this much, her lack of trust in herself and in a new relationship causes her to try to manage everyone. I can only say this much and I can only give this much and I have to withhold this and I, I can't risk that because she's afraid that she's not enough or in her case, she's too much, you know, too much drama and she almost wrecked, she kind of makes a mess of everything. And I got so frustrated with her, but it was such a good thing because she needed to experience that. And I think most of us can relate at one um, juncture or other in our lives when we've done something like that. And I felt like she exists, yes, I created her, but she also exists apart from me and I'm kind of channeling her through too.
0: Right. Because at the end of the day, when everything, you know, we all end up in the ethers eventually, what's the difference between a fictional character and a human being? Who's to say?
1: (laughs) Who's to say? Who's to say? So I tell tell my husband, I'm never lonely. I have all these characters in my head. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. Well, just
0: you saying that gives me, you know, insight into just how incredible writers are when they, because you're thinking in so many different ways, because you're you, you're, you have to figure out what decisions and choices and actions that your character will make based on the personality and the disposition that you've created for them. So that's a whole complex thing that not everybody can do. So, well, I won't say, I think everybody can write. I think everybody, I think so too. You know what? And just to that point, the way that it's kind of like this puzzle, this like maze you're creating, it's a great way to get your juices flowing, you know, write a short, tiny little story. I think everybody could do that as an exercise for themselves. It's good for our brains to challenge ourselves, right? To keep our brains healthy, especially as we age, we want to do things that keep the, create neuroplasticity, new pathways through our brains, new way of thinking, challenging ourselves. And when crosswords aren't cutting
1: it, write a story is what I'm right. So two little stories you can write. Number one, pick up a photograph off your you know if it's framed or if it's something that's in an envelope or the you know back of a book or it's in an album and and take a look at this picture and write the story of what happened this was you know my 8th birthday party and who was there write down that story it'll be short but write down not just who and what but how you felt and capture that snapshot. It's a great exercise and it can really unleash a lot of amazing memories. Number two is if you want to try something fictional, sort of honest to Pete, look out the window and find, you know, the stranger walking down the street, the person who you saw in the um in the coffee shop, and imagine the next hour of that person's life and write up a little fictional. It gets your imagination going and it creates a flow between imagination, thoughts, words, words on paper. Don't judge it. Don't edit it. Just let it go and get this. It's like a it's really a muscle and get it flowing. Those are two fun exercises. Anybody can do. them. doesn't matter if you write eight pages or eight words. It's still writing. You did it.
0: I love it. I love it. What a beautiful takeaway. It's always fun to offer the audience something, and I'm totally backing that up. I think it's a great idea and a great exercise. So thank you. And then, Patricia, as we wrap up, could you also share with us your personal secrets for how do you get your juices flowing? Writing is challenging. Just as we discussed, it's having to put these pieces together. It's doing, you know the challenging work of figuring out the character arcs and the plot development. What do you do to kind of get into the zone? And how do you personally write, right? Like some people, they designate an hour. They do it first thing in the morning. They do it at the end of the day. They have a certain writer's nook.
1: What works for you? What has been your creative process, your writing process? So my best time to write is early morning. And it's early morning, mostly on the weekends. So I start and I sit at the same desk. I do all my other work. on. Um, I i keep this time absolutely sacrosanct i don't do anything else during that time that's it it's as if you gave yourself the biggest assignment and you know doesn't have to be five hours it can be one it can be two and then then take a break i get outside into the fresh air take a run take a walk and my mind is still going and i'll say oh i forgot This should be in there or the next thing. Once I commit to it and I'm inhabiting this world, it's very easy to open that door in my mind and go back in. So I find the joy in the in the writing and in the rewrite is to remind myself that that's my happy place. So if I go back there on a regular basis, it's like entering that that room you love so much. It's the room in my mind where my stories exist. If I stay away from it too long, I will be very edgy and and dissatisfied with myself because I'm the one who kept me out of there and get good sleep. Good fatigue is a killer on, on creativity. Lack of sleep, and I'm not a good sleeper, so I really need to take care of my sleep. Perfect.
0: Patricia, thank you so much for this. What a fun exploration this had been. I knew it was going to be great. And I I really do think it can, anyone can relate to this because again, it's not just about writing. It's anything that sort of just kind of tickles you, the spot you that's like, I would love to try this out, to actually try to explore this, express this. And we're kind of saying, just do it and trust it and have faith in it, especially if you really feel that strong desire as you did, as you, when you really believe that it can be something that is the world is looking for, that the world is waiting for even.
1: That's right. Because if we're waiting for it, so are, so are other people. And that's the most important thing. If there's a story that you're itching to tell, someone's itching to read it or hear it Yeah, and trust that it's true.
0: Thank you so much, Patricia. This has been a beautiful conversation. I appreciate you so much for being on the show. If people would like to find out more about
1: you, if they would like to purchase your books, where can they find you? Best place is on my website. And I can also send you some links if that would be helpful. It is faith, F-A-I-T-H, hope, H-O-P-E and A-N-D, fiction, F-I-C-T-I-O-N.com don't let those words scare you. Faith, hope, and fiction are not any kind of preachy thing. It is faith in yourself, hope in the world, and fiction, which is where all our truths really lie are in our stories. Faith, hope, and Faithhopeandfiction.com. You'll find me, you'll find my writing, my books, and I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much, Patricia. All of that will be
0: in the show notes so people can find you. Appreciate you so much. Have fun in all your adventures. Can't wait to see the characters that come through or the the continuation of them in the next story, the next book. Thank you so much. That wraps up our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening to Women Waken. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others and come back for more. If you'd like to connect with the Women Waken community, you can find us on Instagram at Women Waken. And if you follow Women Waken, you can get a free tarot card reading if you just send a DM. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And don't forget to let your unique light shine into this world.